You're listening to the Golden Edge Podcast, sponsored by Station Casinos, STN Sports, and presented by the Las Vegas Review-Journal and Blue Wire. Here's your hosts, David Shane and Ben Goats. What is up, hockey fans? This is the Golden Edge Podcast, the podcast where the Las Vegas Review-Journal talks about hockey and trades that are involved in hockey that may or may not, but definitely did not end up happening. Oh my goodness, we have a packed episode for you guys today. We have to go through all of what's happened uh, the last couple days as we're recording this on Wednesday, uh, specifically with the Golden Knights and Evgeny Dodonov and the trade that was attempted, got through, and then was pulled back. Uh, I am Ben Goats, one of your review journal Golden Knights beat writers. Joining me on the other line is my colleague, David Shane. Dave, before we even just get into all of this, uh, how are you? Has your head stopped spinning yet on uh, perusing contract details? Well, we, I got to tell you, you know, sometimes I complain about the craziness with this team and covering them and everything that comes with it. But ha, the last couple of days, boy, uh, that's been that's been something fun. That's just <laughs> well, like you never see that. You're like, who screws up a trade? Like, come on. This is like classic stuff. Yeah, this is a doozy. This is just a bizarre, weird, not-so situation that we are going to spend, obviously, the majority of this episode uh, diving in and out of. We're going to try to sort through exactly what happened with the Golden Knights attempted trade of Evgeny Dodonov that was pulled back by the NHL today. What went wrong? Who was potentially to blame? And, oh my goodness, where do all parties involved go from here? But before we get into all of that, I just want to remind everyone that the Golden Edge podcast is sponsored by Station Casino's STN Sports. We are also presented by the Las Vegas Review Journal. Please check out all our written work at reviewjournal.com. Dave is going to have a piece up that will be updated later today on you know his kind of breakdown of all that would happen here. If you want that in written form rather than just in audio form, I have a story up that we'll also touch on uh, later in the show, topic two about kind of where the Golden Knights are sitting in the standings, by the way, while all this is going on and what's it going to take to get them into the playoffs. So uh, please go look at all that stuff. Uh, and we are also presented by Blue Wire. And also, if you guys could rate, review, subscribe, whatever you do podcast, please do this one. We would very much appreciate it. All right, let's get into the A topic of today and really the last three days. Uh, we thought this episode of the podcast would be very straightforward, a one that's on the calendar way before the year even gets started because we're like, hey, we'll do a trade deadline recap episode. We'll talk about what the Golden Knights did or did not do, review, kind of give our grades or whatever. Easy peasy, easy to schedule out. Uh, instead, what we got is a big old complicated mess. Uh, as we touched on, the Knights did attempt, attempt being the key word, uh, one transaction before Monday's noon NHL trade deadline, but there were issues, it turns out. Um, so to set the scene, and I'm very uh, much going to enjoy setting the scene here because this was a fun day for me, not necessarily for a lot of people back in Las Vegas. I was in Minnesota enjoying a lovely spring day where the temperature's warming up over there, snow is melting, people are going outside for the first time in months, Everyone's happy. Everyone's excited because for the most of the day, I'm at XL Energy Center posted up in the wild or making all sorts of moves, including grabbing former Knights goaltender Marc-Andre Fleury, who then hops off uh, Minnesota Wild owner Craig Leopold's private plane, does an impromptu press conference about two hours before puck drop uh, between the Wild and the Golden Knights, right before Wild general manager Bill Guerin, a old teammate of Fleury's who won a Stanley Cup with him back in 09 is scheduled to you know, do his post-trade deadline, deadline press conference. So vibes, needless to say, uh, in Minnesota are good for most people. The vibes back in Las Vegas did not seem to be so good, Dave, because uh, I know you were one of several people uh, waiting, waiting and waiting at City National Arena for general manager Kelly McCrimmon to talk because it was taking forever for the night loan reported trade at the time. To go through. So the NHL trade deadline hits noon on Monday. It takes until about 4.20 p.m. Pacific time for the Knights and the Ducks to announce that Anaheim has acquired right wing Evgeny Dodonov and a second round pick 
in exchange for defenseman John Moore and the contract of forward Ryan Kessler, who's essentially retired, but his contract is still on the books. I believe it was the last trade like officially announced on trade deadline day. A little bit more than two hours later, about 6.40 p.m. Pacific time, the game between the Wild and the Knights is going on. The Knights announce all of a sudden that they have been made aware of an issue with this trade and everyone's left like scratching their heads, figuring out what's going on. Uh, by Wednesday earlier this afternoon, before we're recording this, uh, the news that we kind of expected became official, which is the deal has been voided. The trade is off. It is not happening. It is not going through. Uh, the Knights say in a statement, they quote, recognize the league's decision and welcome Evgeny back to our club. So after a wild almost 48 hours where it looked like Evgeny Dodonov was going to be an Anaheim Duck, he is instead still a Golden Knight. The Golden Knights still have their second round pick, and it was going to be either 2023 or 2024. There was conditions attached that we never really got because now, obviously, they are irrelevant. Uh, the Anaheim Ducks still have Ryan Kessler's contract for the remainder of uh, this season that it expires. They still have defenseman John Moore. So, Dave, I will ask you a very simple question that has a complicated answer. What the heck happened? Well, as I understand it, and let me try to work a little backward here. Basically, Evgeny Dodonov has a what the NHL called a limited no trade clause in his contract. If you go on Cap Friendly uh, at Pugpedia, some of the other public sites, it, it'll tell you that it's a 10-team no-trade clause. Okay, so that's what we know, right? So what we kind of don't know and, like, the big mystery in all of this, the big question mark is if Evgeny Dodonov had a no-trade clause that, and I've been told, included Anaheim, then why on earth on Monday did the NHL and the Ducks and the Knights process a trade like why wouldn't the alarm bells go off why didn't the red flags go off? why didn't the computer say like no alert alert like you can't do this somewhere along the line the golden knights and the nhl were operating under the assumption that evgeny Dodonov did not have a no trade clause now like some of this is like maybe behind the scenes operating and like he said she said and like what but like my understanding in all of this is when Dodonov was traded from Ottawa to the Golden Knights last July 28th there is a trade call that always takes place in that trade call all of this different information and a contract what have you is always disclosed the NHL central registry is on that call my understanding is that it was never disclosed from the Ottawa Senators to the Golden Knights that he had a no trade clause. So from that point forward, from July 28th forward, once he was acquired by the Golden Knights, and just as an addendum to all this, the Knights were not on his no trade list. So that's why he was able to have that trade go through. No dispute, no, you know, nothing, nobody heard anything of it. But once you get back around and he's with the Knights and all that, they're operating under the assumption and the NHL is operating under the assumption based on that trade phone call that he does not have a no trade clause. So everything rolls through on Monday. He's a, you know, everybody thinks, okay, he's going to Anaheim. You know, I was told before the deadline and, and had put a tweet out there, you know, about, it looks like he's, he was headed there. It wasn't official at that point. But somewhere along the way and in the delay, as we were waiting for, you know, all this to become official and for Kelly McCrimmon to be able to discuss it, his agent, Evgeny Dodonov's agent, made it clear, made it aware and produced paperwork showing that he had filed his no trade clause or his, his list on time, that he had met the deadline, that it was an active part of his contract it was not voided or or anything like that like the knights and the nhl had assumed or or were operating under that assumption so you know somewhere somebody's i don't know if somebody's gonna get punished or like 
where the recourse is on, on all of this, but like the one thing that seems very abundantly clear, you know, right now at least is I, the Knights are not at fault in this in terms of they're operating as they can operate. And I guess, yeah, you can go, why can't you go on this or that? How do you not know? Well, like when you have a trade call and the NHL is on there and like everything should be disclosed, like, you know, I I guess you can double check, you can triple check, but my understanding is everything kind of stems back to that trade call when the Golden Knights first acquired Evgeny Dadanov from the Senators. Which is wild to me about how all this plays out, especially if it goes back to that first trade call, as you mentioned, Dave. Because if you're the NHL and Ottawa just happens to like offer or like doesn't disclose or like doesn't offer up anything, whatever Ottawa says, I'm double checking if I am the NHL. (laughs) Uh, I'm going to, yeah, use like a weird metaphor here. Uh, I don't have uh, children, maybe one day we'll see. But like, I assume that there were times when I was growing up when my parents in my rambunctious teenage years, when I would tell them something and they're like, yeah, maybe I'm going to go double check this with like another parent or your teacher or something. Cause I'm not quite sure I'm buying what you're selling here in Ottawa, I think is clearly one of the problem children of the NHL in terms of, you know, not exactly uh, super competitive recently and not exactly the best reputation around the league. So if Julian Brisebois in uh, Tampa comes to the NHL, comes on a trade call and says like, oh, hey, here's what we're going to do to, you know, skirt around the cap or whatever, fit this guy into our budget. If I'm the NHL, I'm probably like, you know what, Julian? Sounds great. We think we know what you're doing. When Pierre Dorian calls the NHL, I would hope that there's even a couple more checks added to the checklist to make sure what this guy's selling works out. And it's just fascinating, especially because, as you mentioned, it sounds like the Donovs agent kind of has the receipts of like, not only does my client uh, have this uh, no trade protection limited but, you know, I have the kind of documentation of like, I have been like updating it on time because a lot of times, you know, how these no trade lists work is that it's not just like set at the beginning of the contract and then that's it forever. Evgeny Dodonov uh, usually has kind of dates throughout the calendar where he has to submit it in order to maintain his protection. Usually it's like a little bit before the league year begins, kind of free agency opens, a lot of these guys around the league have to say like, okay, here's my updated no trade list, uh, send it to the team so that they are aware of like where I would not like to be moved to kind of this league calendar year. And if you don't submit it, which I believe happened like three or four years ago in a trade between Buffalo and the Blues, if you don't submit that list like before kind of the required date in the calendar, it's essentially no longer valid so i believe um i can't remember the player's name but like three or four years ago i believe a player was like moved from st louis to buffalo even though buffalo was on their no trade list because their trade list no trade list was not filed in time and basically was like well i don't want to go to buffalo and st louis was like well too bad you screwed up we can do this and maybe that's what ottawa thought that he hadn't submitted it so thus it wasn't worth bringing up but like i said clearly Evgeny Dodonov's agent has the kind of, like I said, receipts to be like, no, 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 I did my job. He's got this and you can't do this, which I'm sure uh, was a nice surprise for uh, Kelly McCrimmon, George McPhee, and the rest of the Golden Knights brass when they realized that A, this uh, no trade protection was still valid and obviously B, that it included Anaheim. Yeah, and just to, that player was Patrick Berglund. Um, and yeah, that's, that's pretty much exactly what happened with him and it's rare it's happened, but you know, like there's deadlines along the way and, and, in contracts and stuff that, you know, you have to file it in Berlin's case. He didn't, his agent didn't file it in time. Um, you know, I can think back, there was an example and, and somebody pointed out to, this to me as well today, like, you know, a few years ago in Chicago, Dale Talon, uh, you know, you forgot to file like some RFAs and like, you know, you screw up, but like. The, the thing with this is, you know, so like now the Knights are are basically in a bind, you know, like they did all this 
And, and the point was so that they can gain some salary cap flexibility here, that they can potentially bring back some of their healthy guys, you know, if they're ready and, and try to make a run here, you know, while they're out of the playoffs, they got 16 games left. Like it's getting to, you know, desperation time. So they, they do all this, they, they do everything. They operate above board, like, you, you know, everything going on, like by the rules and and now they're left with a situation where they have to welcome back a player potentially who they clearly didn't want at the moment and then too like they have all the the, the salary cap part of this too you know it, it is they got to figure all that out now they have to figure out what to do you know and then Dodonov is like dangling there as well so like it it's just it's a bad situation all around in terms of of just like it took 2 days to to figure out, like, that's the other side of this, too. They played a game yesterday. Like, I don't understand why it took this long, you know? Like, it should have it should have been it, – it, it minimum should have got resolved yesterday before the game, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, well, because it's super cut and dry, right? If Evgeny Dodonov's agent, like we said, had the receipts that say, like, no, 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 my client has a no-trade list and Anaheim's on it. This is invalid. It's like, what, what else is there to discuss? Obviously, it's like, oh, no. Like, the NHLPA, obviously, was never going to let – this trade go through if indeed everything had been filed properly in Anaheim, uh, you know, was on his no trade list. Like we've talked about, um, I'm sure obviously there are Knights fans that uh, are going to disagree or just are angry, but like if the Knights are operating under the assumption that he has uh, like no sort of trade protection and they were on a call with the NHL that said, yeah, okay. We've like, you know, decided that he doesn't back in July and obviously Anaheim just assumes that this is fine too. It's tough for both those teams to have this kind of fall apart through no fault of their own. It's obviously, and we should make sure to say this, an extremely difficult situation for Evgeny Dodonov through absolutely like no fault of his own. His agent has uh, you know, filed everything apparently properly. Uh, Dodonov obviously negotiated this no trade protection for himself. He earned it as like a veteran that was on the market that can negotiate his own contract that like, Nope, this is what I want. It is his right to block a move to a team that he does not want provided there on that list. Now he is uh, still on the roster of a team that was willing to give up a second round pick basically to get rid of him, to get his money off the books. So it was either obviously that was going to happen for him, or he was potentially going to have to just wave his no move and go to a team that he didn't want to go to to like potentially avoid an awkward situation here and we'll spin it moving forward in a second here about what could also happen with two of Genny Dodonov and there are some not so great things for him that could potentially happen uh out of this as well which are just all around not great but like I said rough spot for him but I want to before we kind of even go through kind of spinning it forward here I want to just walk quickly through as you touched on Dave why the Knights wanted to make this trade in the first place how we got to this point in terms of why the Knights need to make this trade and then why uh, it falling apart could you know obviously be not so great Uh, the first thing to say is we kind of dissect this trade tree which um, as we've established I think it's right now tricky to blame the Gold Knights for this deal falling apart I think it's much easier to potentially criticize the Knights for needing to do this deal in the first place and the set of decisions that put them in a position to have to try to attempt this deal. So the Knights uh, traded Marc-Andre Fleury in the offseason for essentially cap space. They got $7 million worth of cap space by trading Marc-Andre Fleury to the Chicago Blackhawks, who later, of course, rerouted him to the Minnesota Wild for a conditional first-round pick at the trade deadline. Uh, But the Knights used that $7 million in salary cap space essentially to sign backup goaltender Laurent Brassois and then trade for Evgeny Dodonov, who has a $5 million cap hit and was still under contract for this season and next. They gave up a third-round pick and defenseman Nick Colden to the Ottawa Senators to bring Dodonov in, hoping that, you know, he's a guy that has scored quite a bit in the past, especially with Florida, hoping that he's going to provide us some secondary scoring and especially be a really good fit on our power play in the bumper spot. Uh, overall, Dodonov's not kind of lived up to the billing so far this year. 
He has 15 goals and 27 points in 62 games. Uh, He was heating up, though, it's fair to say. He had four goals in his last four games before this kind of attempted trade. But in doing, you know, or attempting to do this deal, the Knights were trying to get Dodonov's cap hit off the books for the rest of this year and then the following season as well. And then by adding the contracts of especially Ryan Kessler, which would have gone on long-term injured reserve, uh, and then more, who had the potential, it sounds like, to be put on LTIR at some point as well. Uh, the Knights are trying to give themselves cap flexibility the rest of this season. Uh, Moore has a concussion that uh, when the trade was made, Kelly McCrimmon said he was going to stay at home in Boston. So it just didn't sound like he was going to be kind of part of the Knights on ice plans, but maybe he could help them in terms of off ice creating extra salary cap space. So in theory, and I've just crunched these numbers on a kind of basic level, and now obviously what these numbers would end up looking like doesn't matter as much since this trade has been scuttled. But if the move had like officially gone through and not been pulled back, the Knights would have had enough flexibility to activate Mark Stone and Alec Martinez off long-term injury reserve this regular season if they were, you know, obviously healthy enough to give it a go. And uh, Kelly McCrimmon said at his post-trade deadline press conference, like basically, you know, it was an option that those two guys could play at some point this season. Um And so, obviously, where the Knights were probably at around the trade deadline was, you know, as we'll get into a little bit later in the show, they're absolutely fighting for their playoff lives. They are really up against it right now. And so you can understand them going, like, we need to do whatever we can, whatever we have to shoot up Mark Stone with in his back to try to have him give it a go down the stretch here to see if that's going to be enough to give us not just an on-ice boost, but kind of an emotional boost of having our captain back to try to make a run to get in the tournament. So like I said, now all that uh, for now is off the table. The Knights still have the Donoff on the books. They still don't have, at least right now, any sort of cap flexibility that would let them activate Mark Stone and Alec Martinez off long-term injured reserve, even if they wanted to, Dave. And uh, as you said, uh, like where they're at right now, they're kind of stuck, which is, like I said, really tough for them. Yeah, I mean, that was kind of the whole point of this was to give them the flexibility to activate some of those guys, you know? I mean, and I thought it was a it was a good question by Jesse Granger in terms of the way that he looked at it and, you know, Kelly McCrimmon could look at Like, why is Dodonov's 15 goals, you know, less important than the cap space right now? You know, and basically the answer to that is, and this is this goes back to why the Knights didn't add anybody at the trade deadline. You know, they were planning to basically bury John Moore's contract in the AHL. Kelly McCrimmon flat out said that. Um, you know, you know, but they wanted to be able to activate these guys when they're healthy, and right now they're back into the bind and pushed up against the salary cap where. They can't do that, and, and, and that was the whole. That was the whole reasoning. That was the whole. That salary cap space in Kelly McCrimmon's mind for now and the future was more important, or is more important than what Dodonov can give you in the lineup. Which is startling when you think that this team has been shut out in back-to-back games and hasn't scored in like 121 minutes. You know, like that they would rather not have Dodonov in the lineup. They'd rather have the salary cap space. And then to hopefully be able to activate some guys, you know, coming up here. Like that was the plan. That's what they wanted to do. And and now they can't do it unless, you know, unless they trade to Donov. The only way they can really trade to Donov is to probably pay more than the second round pick they were giving Anaheim to do this. Because he's going to go somewhere and he can't play. Like he's done. If he gets traded after the deadline... He's he cannot play for the rest of the regular season or the playoffs. So with everybody knowing the situation that the Knights are in, having no leverage and all of this, like for somebody f- to facilitate a deal, like it's going to cost them more than probably what they were going to give up to get these two clients. And then they got to find the, these these long term contracts to like take on because that was the whole point of it. You ship out the Donovs five million 
but then you're bringing in contracts that could go to long-term IR. That's how you benefit from it, you know? And so, so for all this to work, for the magic to happen or whatever, like they got to go find some more LTIR contracts at this point and then, and then make this all happen. So, I mean, it's a really tough situation that, that everybody's been left in, you know, and, you know, we'll see how it gets resolved going forward. I, I, I'm not sure what the real, like I said, what the recourse is. Locals know the STN Sports app is the most trusted sports betting app in Nevada. They have convenient sign-up locations across Las Vegas. So download the STN Sports app today. Download and get a bonus up to $500 when you sign up at any of our convenient locations. Anaheim was kind of the perfect fit for a lot of reasons outside of the fact that they were obviously on Dodonov's no-trade list. Um, but as you mentioned, and I think it's important to point this out and clarify this and make sure people hopefully understand it, um, it's going to seem weird because obviously, as we've established, the NHL trade deadline was Monday. However, and I think you know, if people were confused by what you were just saying there, Dave, that does not mean that trades cannot happen. What it does mean is that basically what the trade deadline represents is the last day that you can add someone to your roster and have them be eligible for the postseason. And so that is why it's considered such a frenzied day of activity because basically playoff teams, that is the last opportunity they have to bring someone else in from another team and have them still be able to participate in the playoffs for them. And so thus, that's obviously the opposite. We're sellers. It's the last day where they can trade someone to a playoff team and have them be worth anything for that playoff team when the postseason actually rolls around. So that's what the deadline truly represents. It does not mean that like there is now a moratorium on all trades in the NHL. It just essentially is because, you know, for the most part, teams aren't like looking to add players that they don't think are not going to be able to be around for the playoffs at this point, especially because uh, you cannot move teams right now. You cannot shift NHL teams right now and be eligible for regular season play anymore. So the Knights technically are able to trade Evgeny Dodonov still the rest of the regular season. But any team that would be acquiring him, he would not be eligible to play for the rest of this year and obviously the playoffs as well. He, of course, would be eligible to then play again in the regular season next year on the final year of his contract. So that's where this obviously gets really complicated because the Knights market for Dodonov has shrunk significantly. Uh, as you said, Dave, they're up against it. They kind of really wanted that flexibility and needed that trade to go through. So the select remaining teams that are, uh, A, probably not going to the playoffs, then like B, are not on Evgeny Dodonov's no trade list, would have significant leverage over the Golden Knights to be like, hey, you better give us a first round pick now at this point. If we're taking back this guy's salary and he's doing nothing for us this rest of the regular season because he's ineligible. And if you're the Knights, I don't know if you can justify doing that at this point when you've already given up your first round pick in this upcoming year's draft. Potentially, there's still actually a chance they hold on to it, depending on how the uh, lottery uh, ping, bongs, ping pong balls fall, if they do indeed miss the postseason. Um, but it would be tough for the Knights to justify moving another first-round pick or putting another first-round pick in a trade package when their playoff future is really uncertain at this point. Um, and as you mentioned, then it becomes extremely difficult to line up a team that's got a long-term injured reserve contract that the Knights could take on and be happy with because what was good about the Kessler contract, as I've already said, is that it expires at the end of this regular season. So the Knights would have taken back Ryan Kessler's contract. He's like essentially retired, but his deal is still active until this summer. So once this offseason hits and the Knights theoretically get through this regular season, you know, with using this extra cap flexibility, that contract would go away. And then obviously the Knights would enter into the offseason, not being long-term injured reserve. Anyway, theoretically, they would be able to get cap compliant through other means. Um, and we've touched on this before, but the reason why you kind of only want to use long-term injured reserve when necessary is that being in LTIR prevents you from 
accruing cap space. So the example that everyone is going to remember is that the Knights in their third season, especially sent guys up and down all the time where whenever they had an off day, okay, Nicholas Waugh was sent back to the American Hockey League. Technically, I don't think he actually made the flight to Chicago all that often. It happened to Cody Glass and Nick Hague, where these guys were playing NHL games on the NHL roster for game days a lot of times. And then they were quote unquote, sent down, not part of the active roster on non-game days. And the reason for that is because every day that those guys were not on the books meant the Knights were saving cap space those days because NHL cap space is counted daily. It's basically the accumulation of like each team's cap hit every single day, you know, divided by I think the NHL season is like 180 days. It's like one 180th of the cap hits that you see on like websites like capfriendly.com that do a great job tracking all this stuff. Uh, So the Knights played that kind of call-up, call-down game to maximize their salary cap space at the trade deadline so that they had additional room to kind of spend there. And that's what allowed them to ultimately bring in Alec Martinez and Robin Leonard and kind of load up for that postseason run. When you are in LTIR all the time, as the Knights have been uh, this season and then would have continued to be if they had acquired Ryan Kessler's contract, uh, you're not able to do that. You are not accruing cap space throughout the year while you're on LTIR. So it limits your flexibility in terms of adding guys when you're in LTIR without obviously sending guys back out. So that's why, for instance, if you, the Knights were to call a team like Montreal about a contract like Shea Weber, who's kind of like Kessler, he's like retired, but not really retired. But Weber's contract goes another four seasons past this one. Yeah, that's not as appealing, uh, I would think, to the Golden Knights. So like I said, finding that match will be really, really tricky for them to figure out because, like I said, there are a few teams that uh, are not in the playoffs that obviously, you know, would probably be willing to kind of do a deal like this where they would get back a significant asset from the Knights in terms of taking on Dodonov and having him not play. There are probably even fewer teams among the teams that be willing to do that, that are not on his 10 team, no trade list. And then obviously you have to have a team that potentially has a long-term injured reserve contract that would be appealing to the Knights. So with all that said, Dave, what do you think happens with Evgeny Dodonov either the rest of the regular season or obviously moving forward potentially into the off season? Well, I don't expect him to be with the Knights very long, um, whether that's into the off season or now, like I, I mean, I think they're going to trade him. They have to trade him. And they've basically declared their intentions at this point, right? Like, I, I don't know how you come back from that. Like, you don't really reconcile, you know? I mean, they've basically put it all out there, and everybody's seen it, you know. So there's no mystery anymore. I'm just wondering, like the the team, the obvious one that everybody has kind of thrown out, and I'm looking at, you know, some of their stuff is is Arizona. Um, I, I'm sure that Arizona would be more than happy to take on a contract and make sure it's above the floor and all that sort of stuff. And, and I'm sure that they will, you know, ask for a pretty steep price from Kelly McCrimmon and George McPhee and, you know, the folks in the front office from the situation, if that's, you know, the case, it's like, like you said, I mean, I think you laid it out very well. Like there was a very specific reason that the Knights, engineered the trade that they wanted with Anaheim and the contracts and the money and everything that they did. So to go ahead and then like find an equivalent deal or make something similar here, like on the fly, basically, I mean, how many stories have we heard about how long trades take to get consummated and all this stuff put together, blah, blah, blah. Like now they got to do it on the fly and they got to do it quick because it's all salary cap related. Like this isn't about, you know, the Donos production or anything like it, because if it was about that, they would have kept it. This is about them needing and wanting, you know, the salary cap space now and then in the future. And then I guess if we're going to talk about in the future, you know, we can speculate, you know, a guy like Riley Smith, Riley Smith didn't move obviously at the trade deadline, even though he is a pending unrestricted free agent. A guy like Dodonov move. Maybe that means at some point 
you know, the Golden Knights are, are going to do something like they did with Alec Martinez last year. You know, let it let the season run its course. And then in the offseason, you know, before free agency or technically, I guess it would have been as a free agent. You know, you you get a deal in place and you re-sign him. Maybe that enables, you know, Riley Smith later on. Like all of these things were all linked. Like like when we asked Kelly McCurman about it, you know, he gave a very short answer, but it was that, yeah, basically everything is intertwined. So to make something like this happen, to to go out and make the money work, to go out and find the contracts, you know, and, and the type of situation that they were looking for, the term and all that, make it all work. You know, there's not there's not that many situations out there, and we're going to have to make some magic happen here pretty quick. Yeah, it'll be fascinating to see what they pull out of their hat, either coming up here or, you know, potentially into the offseason. Because um, it's now fascinating to me to see what their willingness is going to be to pull something out of their hat the rest of this regular season. Because it is kind of fascinating how even since, you know, the trade deadline on Monday, that noon um, deadline that hit how much the night situation has really kind of changed and altered. And maybe it alters their thinking, at least their short-term thinking uh, because the backdrop of the Dodonoff trade falling through today is that the Knights are 16 games away from the end of the regular season. And as of right now, as we're sitting here uh, on Wednesday afternoon, they are not in a playoff spot by points or points percentage. Uh, Dallas is one point up on the Knights for the final Western Conference wildcard spot. Uh, the Stars have four games in hand. Uh, the Knights are six points behind the Kings for second in the Pacific Division. And L.A. has a game in hand. And the Knights are also three points behind the Oilers for third in the Pacific Division. And Edmonton has two games in hand. Um, so add that all up and the Knights kind of odds to just make the playoffs at this point just to get in to the 16-team tournament right now uh, are not great. It's 37% on 538, uh, 37% on moneypuck.com, 25% on The Athletic. Uh, On each website, the Knights basically have the ninth best odds in the Western Conference to get into the postseason. So they're behind LA, behind Edmonton, behind Dallas. And obviously keep in mind, even if they catch Dallas for that final spot uh, in the Western Conference wildcard, that means a first-round date with the Colorado uh, Avalanche. Waste um, of eight days, right? <laughs> that is the famous quote from Calgary coach Daryl Sutter. Obviously, I'm sure people said that before the Knights played the Avalanche last playoffs, but uh, sure looks a lot different uh, this time around. And the Knights, uh, as I think people are accustomed to hearing at this point, also continue to play shorthanded. Because obviously they did not have to don off their last two games, losses to the Minnesota Wild and the Winnipeg Jets. Shutout losses in both cases. It was a combined score of seven to nothing between the two games. Uh, and defenseman Zach Whitecloud, right wing Michael Amadio, and assistant coach Ryan McGill all entered the COVID 19 protocol before Monday's game as well. So they have not played the last two games either and will not be part of tomorrow's game uh, against the Nashville Predators as well. So that is, like I said, another kind of crucial part of the decision-making process now for Kelly McCrimmon as to how they move forward of like, they were up against it Monday. They're even more up against it now. I mean, uh, Dave, what do you think that factors in to Kelly McCrimmon's thought process? And what was kind of the vibe you got from him when he talked on Monday about how he feels about this current team that's on the ice? I think there was definitely some frustration in terms of just the day and having to deal with, you know, COVID outbreak and trying to get the deal done. And then, you know, I think as, you know, he met us, it was, you know, as warmups were going on in Minnesota, they're like, there was a lot of distractions going on. And then I think it had taken so long that, you know, my understanding with some of this was that was when Dodonov's agent started to produce, you know, some, some chatter and maybe some of those receipts in terms of like, Hey, you guys can't do this deal. Um, So I think there was just, you know, a lot Monday and a lot going on, you know, as that, that road trip was going on. And then, you know, certainly the way things went uh, those, those next two games, if it changes, you know, their, their mind, their thinking, I don't know. I mean, I'm not sure what they can, you know, obviously they can't do anything at this point. I, I feel like, 
maybe the biggest takeaway from it was Cal McCrimmon's feeling, and I think the Knights' feeling at this point is that their best chance at a Stanley Cup is to get healthy and to improve that way rather than like mortgaging the future, giving anything away for, you know, some stopgap replacement, some some bubble gum to put in the dam or, or anything like that. I, they, I think they just felt like, you know, they have a Stanley Cup contending team already. It's just not healthy. And so they went into that deadline basically saying that the one move they wanted to make was to move the Donovs contract out. They didn't want to add anything. They, they felt like they had enough. So, you know, whether that's blowing smoke, whether that they feel like, you know, all that, I mean, I, I made a bad eighties analogy, I think on a, on a previous podcast and I'll do it again. Like, you know, if they can get all the lions together and put Voltron, you know, out there on the ice for, you know, one shot against, you know, Colorado, they, I think they feel like that's their best chance at this point, rather than doing anything big on Monday. Yeah, I think it was interesting to note that one thing that especially stuck out to me from Kevin McCormick's comments is that he said the team did not explore adding goaltending help at the deadline and expect to have Robin Leonard uh, back soon. Uh, It's worth noting that over the last four games, the Knights have essentially turned the net over to Logan Thompson, completely benched Laurent Brassois, even when they had the back-to-back Monday in Minnesota, Tuesday in Winnipeg. So a back-to-back with travel and like while Minnesota to Winnipeg is not like the most difficult trip, it's also not like the shortest trip either. It's not like the Knights doing a game, I don't think, you know, here in Vegas and then flying out to Arizona or L.A. or whatever. Like, you know, you obviously have to go through customs and stuff like that's not the easiest. So that like if a message was not being sent already by the fact that Logan Thompson had made three straight starts, you know, maybe you just go like, Hey, he's doing well. Like might as well keep him in. He won the first two against the Panthers and the Kings after he lost in Minnesota through, I would say probably no fault of his own. I actually thought he was very good against the wild, but still like he lost on Monday. They traveled to a new city and had another game on Tuesday. And then I still did not go to Laurent Brassois and try to, you know, have him attempt revenge in Winnipeg after he got, uh, you know, kind of, he just got lit up. Let's say that against his former team kind of the week before they still went with Thompson uh, again. Uh, I'm curious. Do you believe McCrimmon? There, Dave, about not exploring the goaltending market or just, you know, given the fact that Dallas uh, seemed to take Braden Holtby off the market. Now Holtby is actually uh, hurt. Anton Forsberg signed an extension to stay in Ottawa. Flurry was obviously not coming back. And so he's on the move to Minnesota. Uh, were there just no options for the Knights anyway? So it didn't really matter whether they are going to explore this market. I think that's a fair point. Um, if you don't like, you know, any of those guys, if you don't like, you know, Gorgiev with the Rangers, who obviously didn't move either. Um, then, yeah, you know, you, you're the one thing with all this is they have more knowledge than we do about where Robin Leonard's at. And he can, you know, like he said, do they expect him back soon? But we don't know how soon that is. That might be as soon as like Thursday. That might be next week. Like, you know, if they felt like Logan Thompson can hold down the fort here a little bit, maybe get them some wins like, because here's the other side of this too. The ske- the schedule gets really soft. And, you know, I think we can kind of talk about that here in a second. But there are some games coming up here, you know, a couple against Seattle. There's, you know, an Arizona game in there, you know, three against Vancouver. Obviously, Vancouver's, you know, playing much better than they were, you know, earlier in the season. But, like, it, it gets a little bit different, you know, Chicago on Saturday, no flurry. Like, you have none of that. Like there's some winnable games for, for this team right now. And and if you can get right in the mix and then you can get Robin Leonard back, you know, and then make your push that way, you know, then then you're not again, you're not giving up assets, you're not giving up something just for like 18 games, 16 games, you know, if you know that Robin Leonard is gonna be your playoff guy. So some of that is is you know, they're their proprietary knowledge, you know, behind the scenes, what they know about their team and their injuries. And yeah, I do think maybe some of it is a combination of just what was out there uh, and and whether it was better than what they had and whether it was worth 
you know, the asking price, probably not based on, you know, what they said. No, I think you're right. And yeah, you're right. It does set up a very interesting kind of sprint to the finish for the Golden Knights, because as you mentioned, they have the second easiest remaining schedule in the NHL, according to the website Tankathon. Uh, I believe they play only six projected playoff teams in their final 16 games. Now, before fans get too excited listening about this, uh, the Stars have the fourth easiest remaining schedule and the Kings have the third easiest remaining schedule. So it's not like the Knights have a total leg up on some of their competition. Uh, Edmonton has the uh, fifth hardest schedule, I believe, according to this website. So maybe Edmonton scuffles a bit and the Knights get a chance there, but the Oilers have actually... Uh, played 700 points percentage hockey under their new coach, Jay Woodcroft, since he took over uh, in the past 20 games. Um, but it is interesting, and I wrote a story uh, about this on ReviewJournal.com if people want to check it out. I was trying to kind of do the math on what the Knights need to do to kind of give themselves a chance to be in this playoff mix. And, um, I mean, the basics thing of what I come down to is I think they need to win at least minimum and probably a little bit more than this, but absolute minimum, they need to win double digit games out of their last 16. So I think like uh, I used this uh, in the story, but I think 10, five and one is like I said, probably the minimum to even give themselves a chance that I'm not even sure uh, that's going to be enough depending on what some of the other teams around them do. But like I said, we can talk about 10, five and one as like a minimum baseline of like, if you don't even beat this, it's probably not worth having a lengthy conversation about whether you're going to get in or not. The Knights, it should be said, uh, since the calendar flipped, so in the year of 2022, since January 1st, are 12, 16, and 4 in just their last nine games, which of course included the 0-5 road trip, uh, the 0-2 road trip to Minnesota and Winnipeg, and then wins at home against Florida and L.A., are two and seven in their past nine games. So that's the run that they've been on. Do you think that this group uh, has a chance to win double digit games the rest of the way, Dave, kind of flip the script, turn it around and have enough in them to make a push to make this interesting kind of heading down the stretch in April. If they have to throw out a preseason lineup, like they did against Winnipeg, like, let's be honest, that was just, I mean, that was like half an AHL roster out there. Then I I really have my doubts. I, I just don't know if they've got enough in the tank at that point. It just feels like everything everybody expected from the start of the season, you know, is too much to ask for right now from the group that they have. Now, if they get people back healthy, you know, if Riley Smith is able to come back more than anything, I think if Robin Leonard is able to come back and maybe steal a couple games, if, if they can continue to like try to find some offense somehow, you know, like if Pacioretty can get in the lineup, if he can develop some chemistry with Eichel, like part of this too is Eichel just hasn't had a chance to, you know, like develop any sort of chemistry with a linemate or anyone. And he's kind of out there spinning his wheels, sort of doing loops and, you know, instead of straight line, you know, just like everything is just so off for this team because of the injuries. And, and if they're able to start getting some guys back, you know, if Nick Haig is able to get back in the lineup, you know, on defense, um, some of the things like that, then maybe. But I, I we're just so deep into this right now, and and I'm such a believer in kind of the you are who you are, and you know the standings say who you are, and you know right now this is a team that hasn't been able to flip the switch. So I'm skeptical until they get you know their their stars back that they're going to be able to do it. You know, even at crunch time. To your point about kind of a preseason lineup uh, against Winnipeg on Tuesday, we saw guys like uh, Paul Cotter, Jake LeCision in on the fourth line. Uh, both guys who could have a future, but they are rookies. And I don't think, you know, the Knights, give them truth to them, be like, these are guys we want in the lineup for very important games. Uh, the blue line, of course, has an all-rookie third pair with uh, Zach Hayes playing in his second NHL game to Daniel Miramanoff. Uh, who, of course, did not play an NHL game before this season. Uh, ben Hutton's on the blue line, who was not on the Knights roster before this year. I mean, the Knights, I believe, had 
have six guys on injured reserve, two guys in COVID protocol, and then Nick Hegg, who is also injured, just not on IR. Uh, their entire left side of their blue line, if you kind of had their lines to start the year, Alec Martinez, Braden McNabb, Nick Hegg is hurt. Zach Whitecloud on the right side is also hurt. So four out of their six first-choice defensemen not in the lineup. Uh, obviously, three out of their first-choice top six. Max Pacioretty, Mark Stone, Riley Smith not in the lineup. Robin Leonard, first-choice starting goaltender, not in the lineup. Instead, you're starting uh, the guy who started the season third on your depth chart, and Logan Thompson clearly at this point has risen to number two on your depth chart. Um, that's the reality of what they're at, who they're throwing out. And like you said, if this kind of continues to be the group that they have to go with for any kind of conceivable stretch coming up here, like let's say, you know, if this is what they have to roll with kind of through the end of the month for like, you know, two, three, four more games, like it's going to be tough. Like it's going to be tough for them to go on the type of run that, they're going to need to go on. So we'll see whether the Knights are ultimately able to do that. But I think that's going to probably wrap it up here since we've already gone much longer than we normally do. We had so much to discuss today between the Donoff trade, the kind of precarious position the Knights are in. And there's just a lot to talk about and go through. So it was absolutely nuts. We hope you guys uh, enjoyed this podcast. We hope it was informative for you. If you have any questions about what's going on with Evgeny Dodonov, the Golden Knights, and kind of how the heck we move forward from here. Feel free to uh, email us. I'm at bgotz at reviewjournal.com. Dave is at dshane, S-C-H-O-E-N at reviewjournal.com. You can find us on Twitter too. Uh, I'm at Ben S. Goats, and he is at David Shane L V. Uh, RJ, a quick reminder before we get out of here, that the Golden Edge podcast is sponsored by Station Casino's STN Sports we are also presented by the Las Vegas Review Journal. Check out all our written work at reviewjournal.com. As I've said multiple times in this podcast already, Dave's going to have kind of a full breakdown of what happened with the Evgeny Dodonov trade. That got scuttled up there. I also have a piece on the Knights' kind of path to the playoffs as it stands right now. Uh, we are also presented by Blue Wire. And of course, if you guys could rate, review, subscribe, whatever you do to podcasts, please do to this one. We would very much appreciate it. Uh, I'm Ben Goats. He's David Shane. We are the Golden Edge Podcast. We'll talk to you again real soon. Locals know the STN Sports app is the most trusted sports betting app in Nevada. They have convenient sign-up locations across Las Vegas. So download the STN Sports app today. Download and get a bonus up to $500 when you sign up at any of our convenient locations.